Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. morning brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, first, I bring you a piece of very good news. Remember last Sunday we um, asked you to pray about this, uh, the past Friday where Covenant has qualified for a balloting exercise for a piece of land in Sengkang. And the good news is we have been chosen. This was a picture taken uh, last year where we were prayer walking the land and frankly at that time, our posture was very simple, Lord, thy will be done into your hands because it is by divine draw lots uh, methodology. <laughs> so we are right now awaiting for HDB to issue us a letter of acceptance. Uh, then after that, we are more free to tell you the inside stories and, and you will know how truly <laughs> God has chosen us to be there. All right? And so for that, uh, I'd like us to uh, give thanks in our hearts, but more importantly, prepare our hearts spiritually to enter the land. This is not an East Center journey. This is a one church journey. All right? And I really believe such a privilege for us to be able to do this uh, as a body of Christ on earth. All right? So this is the wonderful news I want to share with you. Last Sunday also, we did the incredible where Pastor Edmund Wong breezed through the overview of 27 chapters, the book of Leviticus. Right? And essentially, there are two very, very broad Division, right? Chapter 1 to 16, uh, the ritual codes or these, the priesthood codes, ceremonial codes. And then, after from 17 to 27, essentially the ethical code or the holiness code. Right? At this point in time, all this sounds very big terms, but once we get in, you will understand them much better. But the general sense as you go through is that, wow, very exacting, very demanding, right? To come before God, there's really a lot to do. And, and yet, the overall sense of take-home for us is that, wow, this holy God wants to bring sinners into His holy presence. All right? And therefore, He has prescribed all this for us to make a way for us. And I've used the term last week that I trust we'll be moved in the sense that this God wants to hang out with you. Hang out with us. Hang out with the body of Christ. And for that, I, I feel there's such a great privilege. And, and I just reminded how it's a little bit like dating couples who love to hang out with one another, lah. Uh, day in, day out, they like to tang chin so I, you know, go cafe hopping and then get to know each other more and, and more. I know this can be a distracting talk for some courting couples right now and also for some of the older couples who are married and your minds are wandering to the good old days. So come back to the service right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> but isn't, isn't this what good relationship is all about? It's not just the courting couples or the married couples. Good friends love to hang out together. And that's what God wants he calls us friends in the New Testament. So we're going to get to the book of Leviticus this morning and let's come with an eager heart to draw near to God. And ask God to create a, a, a new heart, a clean heart, a pure heart in us to yearn to be with Him. And then to ask Him to renew a right spirit within us so that we can carry His presence uh, all through the week, all through the, the day. So would you bow together with me as we ask the Holy Spirit uh, to speak to us. Our most holy and uh, loving God, we cannot comprehend why you would choose to dwell with us and walk with us because we can be so defiled, unholy, desperately wayward, ungrateful, 
and even stubborn in our ways, dear Lord. Thank you for being patient with us. And through your revelations in the book of Leviticus, we thank you it shows us your heart, your will, and your ways, Lord. And we just ask of you in this hour of worship, Lord, that you will speak to us so that when we walk out of this place, we will pursue you and your will all the days of our life. We pray all this in Jesus' most wonderful name. Amen. Now, next three weeks, this week included, we'll be camping out at Leviticus 1 to 3. But first, let me show you the roadmap for the entire year. For the preaching series, we have divided it into nine broad segments as seen in the slides right now. And in these nine segments, what we will do is that we will usually begin with the overview, like what we will do today, Leviticus 1 to 3, overview. And then the subsequent preachers uh, will then dive in and begin to deal with some of the thematic focus and application on other Sundays. Now, for some of us later on, when you have your CG study guide on Leviticus, uh, you realize that we have collapsed certain parts. Why? Because it's, you don't have all the time to do, to do that in the small groups. But in the preaching series, we have more time. That's why we have an expanded version to cover more uh, in detail the 27 chapters in the book of Leviticus. All right, so this is what we're going to do. So we have entitled today's uh, sermon and overview of Leviticus 1 to 3. We call it Holy Worship 1, Approaching God. Then the next two Sundays, you will hear how, uh, next week you will hear how, it's the why, why all these sacrifices? And then uh, subsequently, we will talk about who. All right, it is not just an individual coming to worship God, it's a whole corporate community coming to worship God. So the who question will come in. Now, I'm going to show you another chart right now so that we can make sense of Leviticus 1 to 3 within this larger canvas. Alright, so, you know, 1 to 3 is part of 1 to 7, touching on offerings in the Old Testament. Now, the big idea is simply this, God is holy and we are not. But yet, the holy God wants to draw us sinners into His holy presence, so He has opened up a way, prepared a way, prescribed a way for unholy people to draw near to Him. So here's the chart right now as you're seeing. It shows us the structure and the outline of Leviticus 1 to 7. And again, it is generally divided into two major segments on the left, and each will have five offerings each. All right? Also, on the left, you will see how laws on offering general instructions for lay people. And there you will see the burnt offerings, the grain offering, the peace offering, and then subsequently the purification offering and the reparation uh, offering. And then on the right side, these are instructions also for priests and lay people. And you see another five types of offerings over there. All right? So, so this is where 1 to 3 fit into the 1 to 7, all right, in terms of the offering. So I'm going to right now jump right into the first three offerings. And I will be focusing primarily on the what question. What, what is this offering all about? And the next two Sundays, they will focus, the other preachers will dive in uh, much more. So the very first offering, the burn offering. And we surmise that it is emphasizing the God who is all-deserving. This is what it's trying to teach us about who God is, the God who is all-deserving. Let me read some parts of Leviticus chapter 1, uh, 1 to 3, 10 and 14. 
So the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, in other words, the cows and the bull, he shall offer a male, male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before the Lord. Now, if his burnt offering is from the flock, the sheep and the goats, from the sheep and the goats, he shall bring a male, male without blemish. Then we jump to verse 14. His, his offering to the Lord is a burnt offering of birds. Then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or pigeons. So question, what is the burnt offering all about? Essentially, the Israelites were instructed to present their offerings wholly to God in order to be favorably accepted by Him. And in particularly, it is to make atonement for themselves. Now, let me elaborate what this means further. The Hebrew word comes from the verb to ascend or that which goes up. So as suggested by the Hebrew meaning, the sacrifice was totally totally consumed on the altar and everything ascends and goes up like smoke unto God as an offering. Well, in the reading of Leviticus uh, chapter 1, you will notice that in this offering, the feathers of the bird, the crop, all right, I literally have to find out what on earth is a crop, but you see it's a storage place uh, in the neck of a bird. Uh, and that, that's it, they stop it. That is taken out, it's not offered to the Lord. And there's one more thing that is not offered to the Lord. Didn't tell us in Leviticus 1 to 3, but tells us in Leviticus chapter 7, verse 8. And that is the skin of the bull, the goats, or the sheep. In other words, these skins are not offered to God. Now you wonder, so who is it? Then what do we do with it? It was given to the priest according to Leviticus chapter 7. Can you imagine this Old Testament? priests with leather pants, belts, and boots. <laughs> Just kidding, all right? So, are you still with me on a Sunday morning? Yes, I hope to. Now, the burnt offerings, as you have read, consists of both animal offering and also birds offering, right? It consists of that. So, notice that the type of offering depends on the ability and the choice of the worshippers. Now, likely the choice of a bull, for example, um, it belongs to a richer person. Perhaps the average uh, wealthy person, maybe a sheep and a goat, and the less wealthy could offer a bird. Now, it's an important note here that to sacrifice a bull, a bull, it is very, very costly because the male bull usually is used for reproduction and breeding. So if you kill your male bull, it's like slaughtering the golden goose that lays your golden egg, lah, something like that. But as you think about it, it is just as costly for someone who is middle uh, class, so to speak, right now, to offer a sheep and a goat. It's not cheap. Well, as in Mongolia, one sheep costs about 150 US dollars. I know very cheap for you guys. But really, 150 US dollars for a sheep. Uh, that's that's then they barbecue that all that. It is just as costly to that. And then for the poorer bird. So thank God there are birds to be sacrificed, they are not spared. <laughs> so um, and so this is something very costly, we just need to know. That. But at the end of the day, we just got to look at the scripture and say that mm, everyone is expected to give wholly unto God according to their abilities. And I think the New Testament teaches us that. Right? It's not just a rich that gives to God. No, we who are less rich also give to God as best as we can unto. 
unto Him. Now, we come back to the main point of this, which is, isn't it wonderful to know that God does not merely look at the material value of the sacrifice? It would just be as pleased, God will just be as pleased with the poor man's bird as with the rich man's bull. So the type of offering does not increase the intrinsic value of the offer to God. God looks at the heart. And here we really remember Cain and Abel's offering. Remember in Genesis, one was accepted, the other was not accepted. Why? It's not because of the type of offering that they bring to the Lord. There's something not right with their hearts. And therefore God judged. So God looks at our hearts. Now this is what the burnt offering is all about. Now how is the sacrifice being done? Well, the offerer comes with a chosen uh, animal or bird, and then they, they will place their hand on the animal's head in symbolic acknowledgement of the substitution of the animal right now that will die for on his behalf. So when the hand is being laid on the animal, sins will confess, and therefore it's like the sin being symbolically transferred to the animal. Then after that, the animal is being slaughtered and blood is sprinkled on the Author to emphasize this substitution or this word we call in English atonement. Atonement. That's what it's all about. Now, uh, uh, according to the uh, Bible scholars, that uh, they do find some difficulty in translating this Hebrew word KPR keeper, and it is this this word represents this whole substitutionary uh, exercise. But as we study into it, you realize that it is all about making relationship as one. It has a restorative function. And therefore, the burnt offering essentially is to make us one with God. And therefore, they created this English word called at one, that we might be at what? Atonement with God. Now, just a little bit more before I land for point one. This burnt offering was prescribed for the nation on a daily basis, weekly basis, and monthly basis. And it's used for all kinds of purposes like dedication. During a dedication ceremony, they do burnt offering. If there's a petition to God for certain requests, they do a burnt offering. In the celebration of special occasion, they do a burnt offering. When there's a fulfillment of a certain vow, they do a burnt offering. So it is used really for quite widely for various occasions. Now, you might be asking right now, so what on earth are all these significance? Now, remember, we're covering the overview and the what question and what it teaches us about who God is. And I just want you to know that there's only one key feature about the burnt offering that stands out. What is it? In the burnt offering, God received everything, and the worshiper received nothing. In our, I mean, other than what is already, God says, don't offer this to me, don't offer this to me, the ski and the, 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 the feathers and the pouch, right? So don't offer to me. But that which offered to me is totally consumed. There's nothing left for you. And so that really emphasizes to ask this very important point, and that is God is all-deserving. And because He's all-deserving, we give to Him our best gift, our best devotion, our best sacrifice according to all our abilities. That's what a burnt offering is all about. We are in a season of Lent, and I'm following a, a, a book right now on just walking through the uh, 40 days. And last week, I found myself reading uh, Mark chapter 14. And essentially, it is the woman to come and broke the alabaster jar and anointed Jesus Christ. And remember what everybody around her said? Royal waste of money. Could have fed the poor. So sayang. Then what did Jesus say? 
she has done a beautiful thing. And from now onwards, whenever the gospel is proclaimed, she will be made mention. To me, this is a worthy sacrifice this woman has done for the Lord Jesus Christ that no other had done. Because she knows Jesus is all-deserving. And because He's all-deserving, we bring to Him our best gift, our best devotion, our best sacrifices. Yesterday, Pastor Edmund Wong and I, Pastor Matt, we were with the, the AV and lighting crew. All right? We we're just having a Thanksgiving. And as we went around to uh, uh, get to know each other and all that, I was shocked that quite a number of them has been serving in the AV and light ministry for the past 20 years. 20 years, yes. Amazing. And, and I really honor them because I know there was a time one of our tech crew left us, they were scrambling like mad. They were holding up the fort when there's nobody overseeing them. You know? and, and, and so I'm just very thankful. And of course, with thanking the AV crew, I thank every, so many of you who are serving the church and serving the Lord in so many areas in Covenant EMC. And for that, just grateful for your best gift, best devotion, and best sacrifice to the Lord. I move on right now to the second offering, and that is the grain offering. And I believe it emphasizes on the point that this is the God who is all providing. All providing. Let me read some uh, selected verses. In Leviticus chapter 2 right now, verse 1 to 4, when anyone brings a grain offering as an offering to the Lord, his offering shall be as fine flour. Uh, no more, nobody in the field really, you know. Now go back to the home, <laughs> flour. Uh, he shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it and bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests. He shall take from it a handful of the fine flour and oil and with all his frankincense. And the priest shall burn this as a memorial portion. That's a handful portion, right? Memorial portion on the altar, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Verse 3, but the rest of the grain, take note of that, but the rest of the grain shall be for Aaron and his sons. And not only that, the scripture says it is most holy part of the Lord's food offering. Now, this is very important. It is not just a handful memorial offered to do that is holy. The rest is also most holy part of the Lord's food offering. God is trying to say something to us here. Then verse 4, when you bring a green offering baked in the oven as an offering, it shall be unleavened loaves of the fine flour mixed with oil and unleavened wafers smeared with oil. Then I jump to verse 5. And if your offering is a grain offering baked on a griddle, in other words, the grill, or on verse 7, and if your offering is a grain offering cooked on a pan. Now, I'm going to elaborate this so that we make sense of what we have just read. So what's a grain offering all about? Essentially, it is to remind that God's covenant is to provide for His people as well as the people's obligation to keep the covenant. And here it also underscores the importance of providing for the spiritual leaders, the priesthood. The grain offering, uh, the word for it is korban, and it means a gift or an offering. And as read in the scripture just now, the grain offering consists of four kinds of offering, but essentially there's just only two, two big groups. What are they? One, uncooked flour. So uncooked flour, there's a way to do it. Cooked flour. Got three ways, right? Bake, grill, and pan fry. So very, very specific in what needs to be done over here. And I said just now, as I try to help you to remember that, that this handful of portion uh, is only given to the Lord. 
but the rest is given to the priests uh, for their food. So, let me elaborate a little bit further. So, how is it done? When it's uncooked flour, one pour oil, alright, and add frankincense to it. Now, we don't really know why the need for frankincense, but I suspect those who are in the kitchen know this, that, you know, when you add frankincense, which is a sweet-smelling herb or whatever, and when it's burnt to the Lord, possibly it smells very nice. Oh, like someone just baked a cake and wow, it's very, very nice, very, very punk. All right? so, so this is the, how it is for the uncooked flour. But what about the cooked flour? Well, they also pour oil and then the priest just burns a portion of it to the Lord. Now, there's one more final uh, interesting note in the grain offering that I didn't read. In Leviticus 2, verse 12 and 13, there's yet another variation over there. The, the, the Lord tells the people, if you bring me your first fruit, huh, as farmers, you have a first fruit of your grain crops, right? And you want to give that as an offering to me, you must add salt to it. And we go, huh? Add salt to it? Why you add salt to it? Preserve the what? grain, ah? don't know. Lah. So, so you're supposed to add salt to it, and then what do you do? The priest will burn a portion of it. But the question that we all go, why add salt? Right? Doesn't make quite sense to us. And the reason for this being associated, this sort being associated with this text, may be likely due to two Old Testament texts, right? Outside of Leviticus, for example, Numbers 18, verse 19. The Bible there reads, All the holy contributions that the people of Israel present to the Lord, I give to you and to your sons and daughters with you. As a perpetual due, it is a covenant of sort forever before the Lord for you and for your offsprings with you. And then jumping to 2 Chronicles 13, verse 5. Ought you not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingship over Israel forever to David and his sons by a covenant of salt. So one of the Bible commentator J said this, he says, by requiring the Israelites to include the salt of the covenant with all the offerings, the Lord was providing them with a constant reminder to be faithful throughout their generations to the covenant they had just entered with him at Mount Sinai. So this is what the entire grain offering is all about. So what's the significance? There are three that we can consider. One, remember I mentioned this memorial portion, this handful portion that is dedicated to the Lord, offered to the Lord. And then this mention of the covenant of the sword. It may do well to remind us that God is faithful in His covenant and also for the people to remember to be faithful to their part of the covenant as well. The second significant is by giving the rest of the grain to Aaron and his sons, the Bible provides a way of support, financial support if you like, livelihood support to the priesthood. And there they can then focus their tasks at hand and not be bivocational, so to speak. And finally, uh, this grain offering, think about this. You do all this grain stuff, where do you do it? You do it at home. Then you bring it to the altar, the tabernacle. So in other words, one very interesting point for us to note is that worship does not begin at the tabernacle. It begins in the humble kitchen. And give us a theology of what worship is, not just on church on Sunday, but Monday to Saturday. We are preparing ourselves to worship God every day and, and, and then on Sunday is a corporate worship together. Now allow me to land at point two right now. What does the grain offering teach us about God? That God is a covenant keeping God. And because He's the covenant keeping God, He is all providing 
for our needs. And in this case, remember, a good chunk of it goes to the priesthood. Now, I've been in full-time ministry since 1988. 1988, that's quite a long time ago. The first five years, I am an intern. I'm an intern, and then we're in Bible school, another four years of intern. In those days, we get $450 allowance every month. So that's total $900. After your 10% tithing, 750 I think. <laughs> so, and actually by the end of the month, you barely have enough. So how do we survive that five years? Through church members, how? You have members coming to you right now. Pastor K, this is an offering for you. Ang Paula, whatever la, envelope, just slip it to your hands. And it's usually at the time that you most need it, actually. Some gifts on a monthly basis as an offering. I remember once somebody says, hey, we have booked this um, buffet. Uh, your, it's your wedding anniversary, right? We have booked this buffet. We just go and enjoy the food. And then when we graduated in uh, 1993, somebody said to us, this is too etiquette. Go to Penang for a fully paid holiday. See, all this comes from where? It comes from the people. It is a demonstration of what this grain offering is all about, of how God in His covenant keeping basically tells the people right now, take care of the priesthood. And in translation and application, not just taking care of the because we are all priesthood, right? So not just vested interests, uh, support the full-time workers. Uh, no, no. We are all priesthood. So we just need to look out for one another and support one another because we are in the family of God. And for that, then we really demonstrate that this is a God who is all providing. How beautiful, how wonderful God is that. Not just receive all the nice things, right? He asks us to take care of one another. That's our God that we worship. Now, finally, the fellowship or, in other versions, the peace Offering. And here we believe that it tells us of a God who is all welcoming. So again, I'll read some segments of Leviticus chapter 3. Verse 1. If someone's offering is a fellowship offering and he offers an animal from the herd, whether male or female. Now, what's the difference between right now this offering and the burnt offering? In the burnt offering, it is only the what, 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 what gender? Male. Then this one? Male and female, the females are not spared. <laughs> Need to offer yourself. So he is to present before the Lord an animal without defect. From the fellowship offering, he is to bring a sacrifice made to the Lord by fire. All the fat, that's another new thing in this offering. All the fat that covers the inner parts or is connected to them, both kidneys and the fats on them near the loins and the covering of the liver which he will remove with the kidney. Also, I mean, for some reason, the, probably these are the best stuff, all right, in the ancient days. For us, maybe it's our ribeye steak or Kagoshima Japanese steak or whatever. The fatty part, wow, it's really, really lovely. Okay, so, so when you bring this best part uh, of the animal, the fat surrounding those organs, right, you bring it to the Lord, the priest, then Aaron's son, are to burn it on the altar on top of the burnt offering, that is on the burning wood as an offering made by fire, aroma pleasing to the Lord. Now I jump to verse 6 right now. If he offers an animal from the flock as a fellowship offering to the Lord, he is to offer a male or female without defect. Verse 12, if his offering is a goat, he is to present it before the Lord. The priest, then come to verse 16, the priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made by fire, a pleasing aroma. All the fats is the Lord emphasized. Again, which is a unique feature of this 
offering. Okay, so let's gather our thoughts. Huh? So what's the fellowship offering all about? Essentially, the fellowship offering functioned as a shared meal by which the Israelites celebrated and reaffirmed their covenant relationship with the Lord and with one another. And therefore, when they give to the Lord the best part, which is the fats, that's right, your fats, my fats, they honoured Him. There's no uh, justification for having fats in the body. So, by giving the Lord the best portion, the fat, they honoured Him as the one worthy of all glory and praise. Well, the Hebrew term for this sacrifice, and this Hebrew word, ziba means slaughter. The meaning of shalom means is less clear, but may have been derived from shalom, and therefore have a broad range of meaning from fellowship, shared peace, and to wholeness. That's why Bible scholars translate this word as either a fellowship offering or a peace offering, because of this reason. Now, so let's get to, uh, we know what this is all about, then uh, how is it being done? Same thing, like the burnt offering, the animal has to come, all right? All the laying of hands, everything else, transferring of our sins, confessing and slotting the animal and the sprinkling of the blood. Ah, and remember, this can be male or female animal. There's a distinction here. Now, the second thing, what differentiates this offering from the rest, as I say, is the fat of the animal. All right? And all this representing the best part of the meat is to be given to the Lord burned at the altar. Now, finally, this offering ends with a prohibition to eat the fat offered to the Lord. Why? Because it belongs to God. All right? And also cannot eat the animal with the blood that is in it. Because Leviticus tells us there's life in the blood and therefore you should not be consumed the animal with it. So, all this right now tells us how is it done, but let's move on to what is the significance. Now, this is the only sacrifice that the lay Israelite are permitted to eat. Lay Israelite, everybody can eat it. Remember, the rest of the unburned meat, you just give the fat which is not too much for the offering to the Lord, right? But the rest, the rest right now is to be divided between the priest and that of the offerer. And therefore, in all this, and even the lay can partake of it, there is a notion of a shed meal. If you like, modern term, party. We come and everybody shares in the wonderful meal. It's a party. It's a fellowship meal. And this concept of a shed or a fellowship meal is very significant in ancient days because it's a sign of great hospitality. And it serves as a confirmation of the covenant people of God, who not just covenant with God, but covenant between parties as we begin to fellowship and love God and serve God together. Now, there's an Old Testament story of the uh, Israelites at Mount Sinai. Moses and several leaders went up to the mountains and they ate a meal before the Lord. Now, that's such a beautiful picture. They ate a meal before the Lord. And that's found in Exodus 20. Nine. Now, allow me to right now land at point three. The fellowship offering reveals to us of a God who is all welcoming. He not only wants to embrace us, He tells us, embrace one another. And therefore, it's an important reminder that Christianity is not just a relationship between you and God, your private affair. No, it's between one another. That's why being part of a community is so very important. 
Then we jump over to the New Testament, the Gospel. Remember, Jesus told a parable of the banquet, right? And then he says, tell the guy, you go invite all these people to come. They say, not free, la. I just got married, la. all don't want to come. And they say, now you just go all to the byway and highway and get everybody in. Why? Because it is the heart of God. He's like the, 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 the host, the table host. I want everybody to come and eat and rejoice and celebrate the life that I'm going to give to them. But only some choose to come, unfortunately. And then finally, in Revelation 19, remember there's a marriage supper of the Lamb. So Christianity has a lot of picture about makan, makan, makan. So it's very good. Why? Because it's a picture of celebration. It's a picture of coming together, fellowshipping with one another, rejoicing in the Lord. And in that banquet is where we all are waiting for one day. We shall be all be reunited at the wedding banquet, so to speak, where we celebrate the King, our King. This is the God who is all welcoming to all people. And I believe through us as His people, we can extend that hospitality, extend that grace, extend that kindness, so that they can all see that, wow, you worship a God that is so welcoming. You know, Chinese New Year is a very tiring affair for me. Why? Because I have a wife who loves to cook. And when she cooks, she can cook for 40 to 60 people. I do not live in the mansion. <laughs> and, and after being married for so long, I have simply endured it. <laughs> I have not come to the place of enjoying it yet. Enjoying it. I think it will take me eternity to do that. <laughs> I'm just a lazy guy, yeah. So, but just imagine all the cookout. Imagine all the cookout. Imagine all the cleanup. Imagine that. And that night, second day, Chinese New Year, we all slept at 3 a.m. in the morning. That's why I tell you it's a very tiring business, yeah. But, but, I've learned to appreciate that gift of hospitality, something I don't have, and I don't want. <laughs> but God knows what I need, right? So, so but, but out of this always comes out very wonderful conversation. So I remember last year, in the Chinese New Year, I said, yeah, Chinese New Year always say more, say more. It's very boring. Can we make something good out of it, right? And so, and so we invited my second, third, and fourth auntie. They're all in their 70s, 80s already. And I never invited them to my house at all. So last year, after inviting them, they were so happy, you know. And they were talking about all the funny stories when they were growing up, etc., etc. So this year, there was a, a time I, invited, I told my auntie, say, you want to come to my house again for makan? And they say, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, well, second day of Chinese year already catch me, say, when are we coming, when are we coming? <laughs> so yeah, finally, we set a date on the 2nd of March. Why? So that three, four, five, small little group, we have a time of conversation and we can extend God's love and kindness to them. In fact, after this Chinese New Year, we make another decision because as we go around, uh, uh, my daughters were talking to various uh, nephews and nieces and all that, right? They, they, they have wonderful children, but they need love, they need guidance, they need the Saviour. And so we say, why don't we, don't just have meals and wait for Christmas or Chinese New Year. Let's gather them for some of these meals where we can talk, fellowship, and extend God's hospitality to all of them. So my dear friends, we are all to be hosts on behalf of God, to befriend people, to make them feel welcome, and they can feel accepted by your action and by your words, and therefore reflecting the God who is all welcoming. 
Let me conclude the sermon for this uh, morning. First three offerings from Leviticus chapter 1 to 3. In summary, remember the burnt offering showing us God is all deserving. Why? Because the offering is completely burned up. And some may conclude, I am such a wave. No, no, no. God is worthy. We give to Him what's our best. The grain offering shows us that God is all providing. Why? Because God simply received only a memorial portion of the grain offering. The rest is given to Aaron and his sons. And therefore, in God's covenant keeping with us, He wants us to speak, to take care of the one another, the priesthood. And finally, in the fellowship offering, a God who is all welcoming because this is the only offering where the lay Israelites can partake of the offering and it is further shared with the priest and with the offerer as well. In other words, everybody gets to eat. And what a beautiful picture of this all welcoming God. Now, I know there's a lot of details on a Sunday morning like this. You don't have to remember everything. But this you have to remember, that each of these offerings given to the Lord is meant to be a fragrant, pleasing aroma to God. You see these words repeating itself in all the offerings. It's a pleasing aroma. It's a fragrant aroma to God. And when we begin to translate what this is all about and translate for us, then Romans 12 is a very beautiful verse, isn't it? Because it calls us to be that living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, a fragrant and pleasing aroma to the Lord Jesus. There was a preacher who once said, there is only one problem with a living sacrifice. You know what is that? It keeps crawling away. <laughs> so tell your neighbor right now, stop crawling away. Yeah. <laughs> stop crawling away. Dead animals cannot crawl anymore. But living sacrifices, we can do a lot of running away from God. And that's why we've got to keep coming back to the altar and say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Here am I. I offer my life to you once again. So as we journey forward in Leviticus, we'll keep coming back to this holy God. And He's all-deserving, all-providing, all-welcoming. And the only sacrifice that is worthy of Him, a living sacrifice that does not crawl away. Let's all bow our heads together. Allow all my words to fade away, but allow God to come near to you, draw near to you. This is the Holy God, and yet He wants to draw near to you. And He says, Come, come. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a worthy, all deserving God. I'm all welcoming, I'm all providing. Come to me. Lord, we thank you for who you have revealed yourself in these offerings. And one more, dear Father, the greatest picture of your love for us is you die on the cross for our sins, dear Lord, once and for all. No more bloody business, dear Lord. Just you dying for us and now opening up a way eternally for us to dwell with you, to be accepted by you, loved by you. So we pray once again this Sunday. You will cause, dear Father, this worship to rise in our hearts to say, Lord, you are so worthy. I give my life all over to you. 
let me bring to you an offering that is worthy of your name. Let's all rise together and let's sing this closing song together. Cannot compare to the glory of your love. There is no shadow in your presence. No mortal man would dare to stand before your throne, before the Holy One of Heaven. It's only by your blood. It's only through your mercy, Lord, I come. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. And offering to you. Let's sing this song once again. The sun cannot compare. The sun cannot compare to the glory of your love. There is no shadow in your presence. No more than man would dare. Stand before the throne, before the Holy One of Heaven. It's only by your blood, and it's only through your mercy, Lord, I come. I bring an offering of worship to my King. The praises that I sing Jesus, may you receive The honor that you're due Oh Lord, I bring an offering to you Oh Lord, I bring an offering Oh Lord, I bring an offering to you Oh Lord, let's declare it once again Lord, I bring an offering to you. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word, and we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.